Welcome to the Master Your Genius Podcast with Keith Cornies. Listen in and learn as he coaches entrepreneurs to master their genius. Here's your host, Coach Keith. Hey, everybody. How you doing? It's Coach Keith. Buckle up. Uh, I'm doing my podcast with Sid Landolt. It's number 16 uh, on the podcast list there. Amazing content. I mean, we cover everything. We cover leadership, building teams, investing, risk management. This gentleman has gone from 1983 to present, just growing real estate, real estate investing, developing international sales, uh, a leader of a company. Uh, he's just, and, and is beating cancer, uh, his lessons in beating cancer. There is some really, uh, I would say there's a hundred amazing takeaways on this podcast. Uh, when you listen to it, guys, please share it. Let this one go viral. Sid just brings, uh, I'm just so impressed with the the wisdom and and how he's actually applied it to the rubber to the road. Anyways, guys, his at the very end, he gives one takeaway, which is massive for investing and, and having an amazing life. So uh, listen, listen up, enjoy it, and here we go. All right, here we go. Master Your Genius Podcast. Uh, number 16 with Sid Landolt. Sid, how are you doing? I'm fabulous, Keith. Thanks for having me, and uh, thanks to all your listeners. You bet. So we'll do a quick preface, and then I'll do an introduction. So Sid and I go back way back. We played hockey together for 20, 22 years. Uh, uh, I met Sid uh, in my real estate journey. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, I think there's going to be great information here today, Sid. I think there's going to be a wealth of information. I'm going to hit so many topics. I want everybody out there that, you know, eat, breathe, shits, real estate. I want them to really, you know, I want them to get your your trials, tribulations, your genius, your wisdom, because I, I really believe you're one of the wisest people in the real estate industry with a ton of knowledge who loves to share it, but it's very humble with it at the same time. Um, and so we're going to we're going to do the journey. So, guys, this is Sid Landolt. Sid's, Sid's story is in 1983, he became a licensed realtor. Sid, how did you do in that first year of real estate? I was below, below the poverty line for the first two years. That was a very <laughs> difficult time. I'm just going to say, uh, I, you know, I was I was not I was 19 or 20, and I looked 15. So you could only imagine how difficult that was back then. So the first two years below poverty, and then in the third year in 1986, he bought the Remax franchise. He bought basically yeah. it wasn't Remax. What was it called? Uh, Royal City Realty. That's right. My third year was significantly better. Trust me. So, yeah. <laughs> well, you needed some equity to buy the, the business now. So, you know, Precisely. if we go back there, how old are you when you buy the Remax? You started? Yeah. Yeah. 23, I'd be 23, 24 at that wow. time. So yeah. 23, yeah, 24. I turned, yeah. I just, I just turned 60. So we're talking, <laughs> gosh, we're talking almost 40 years ago. So, Yeah. Yeah. Well, you look good for sixty. Are is it? Are you dying yes, that, or, or or does it uh, does it stay dark? No, 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 not at all. Never had to diet. Never had to diet. That's so what, then uh, that's uh, what nineteen. Keith, go ahead. What were you saying? I said I I lost all my gray hair when I went through chemo. It's never come. Yeah, back. yeah. Well, we're going to talk yeah. a little bit about your battle with uh, yeah. Hodgkins, yeah. and yeah. you know. Uh, so then, yeah. nineteen eighty six, he buys Remax. Uh, he then sells that to uh, actually the current owners today that still have it. And in 1990, he starts Hunter Milborn. And tell a little story about how that came to fruition and what Hunter Milborn was. Yeah, well, in Milborn Real Estate, um, we were we looked at the uh, expiring lease in Hong Kong and how many people were immigrating and how new development and the number of people moving to the lower mainland. And we looked around and we said, there's a great opportunity in the new development business, but no one was really doing it here. And if they were, they were not very good at what they did. So we went south to California, uh, met a company called Dreyer and Young. And then we went to Toronto and met a company called Milbourne Real Estate and a fellow by the name of Hunter Milbourne. And, uh, you know, he was written up in Canadian business as the uh, dean of condos. And this guy had one of the largest new home marketing and sales companies. And, you know, we had just started in the in that business, and we were learning, and we found it very valuable to to do a partnership with him in Vancouver, and took a lot of his expertise and evolved it into the Vancouver model. And then you built a team. What was the maximum employees that you had there? 
Yeah, I think, uh, in, well, in Melbourne, we had 26 sites across the province uh, when we actually moved, shifted the business to more North American based, which you'll touch on in a minute. Uh, I would say, you know, I would say we're around that 60 employee, 60 to 70 60 employees. employees. Yeah. And you were kind of, and yeah. you were kind of the, the, the chief operations manager of that. Like you were like full, you were the man at the top of the food chain at the, the hierarchy. Yep. Yeah. President. Excellent. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that, then, then Hunter Milbourne in 1997, uh, you leave Hunter Milbourne and you start Sapira with another partner. And that basically was uh, development sales international though, right? Or U.S. and Canadian. Yeah. Yeah. That was actually, that was the shift. So Milbourne real estate was primarily uh, urban commoditized, urban, suburban commoditized. Um, we saw this incredible trend um, in the late 1990s, and this was this whole demographic-based real estate where people were starting to uh, recreate in four-season mountain resorts like Whistler in Vancouver, Blue Mountain, um, and there was a company called IntraWest out of Vancouver, and they were they were now building these villages across North America. So we represented them in 12 of their 14 resorts across North America in four season mountain resorts. And as a result of that, companies like Heinz, KSL, uh, IntraWest, um, there's more, <laughs> but you know, yeah. for that, 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 that first three years, um, you know, it was all North America, four season mountain resorts, uh, launching villages and condo And then IntraWest approaches you, buys your IP. You stay on for a year to show them how to work the IP. You guys were launching right. and selling stuff in one day overnight, like just amazing right. results. And yes. so they buy the IP and then you start S&P in 2004, which is now international. Correct. So what that, that shift was, um, we started seeing um, real estate, become a currency, not unlike gold bars. So what was happening is we were getting a lot of people, uh, a lot of real estate uh, being uh, contracted amongst countries, individuals, wealthy individuals. So we started to see this trend. And then we opened up our business to a, a, a you know a worldwide market. And we were still primarily United States, Canada. Now we had the Caribbean. Now we had Mexico. Hawaii, which of course is part of the United States, but it's a very different geography, started to move into Europe. And actually in September 2008, signed a letter of intent for S&P Lehman Brothers Southeast Asia and yeah. uh, signed a, a letter to lease uh, space in Bangkok. And we were just about to launch this new way of bringing New York capital together with our expertise and then on the next Sunday, they went bankrupt and we hit the financial crisis everywhere and it changed everything. Wow. Yeah. That would have been, yeah. wow. I, I didn't know that would have been, that would have, like, honestly, that would have been the next wealth step. Hey, like, I mean, you must have been uh, very, very excited about that. And then unfortunately, very disappointed as well. You know, well, within a period of one, within a period of yeah. one week, because, because that first step was to set up and then they were going to acquire our whole firm in the spring for a significant number. So that was going to be a fabulous liquidation event, but you know how life, you know, sends you all kinds yeah. of curveballs. So, yeah. So, and the other thing that I'm noticing here, which I love, and I hope the listeners are seeing it as well, you know, early adapters and then the people that follow you guys were trendsetters. Like you saw something, you, you mm -hmm. created something, you moved into where you saw the market going. And, and honestly, each time you made the right decision. So you guys had this, uh, what do you think was your ability to see the future? Like, seriously? Well, I, uh, I, first of all, listening, okay? And then looking at these big trends. The only reason why we went to North America, through North America from a Vancouver-centric model is because there was this new thing called the internet. And it just came out, right? And we're yeah, like, yeah. holy, you know, we can do business literally anywhere, whether it's yeah. Coquitlam, or California or Florida. So there's a combination of listening to what buyers, uh, you know, want and also looking at the trends around us. Um, but here's the thing in any organization, um, you have, you have two forces. One is the force to continue to do what makes you successful and refine that incrementally. 
But the most important force is that you are always looking at an ambidextrous strategy where you're always evolving something as a pilot project. Because Can you do me a favor now. Take those two yep. strategies. Now you're a regular business person. You're not the big entrepreneur, but yep. let's say you're a realtor yep. in the game. You continue your strategy yes. of taking care of past clients. And so now they got to be amb- ambidextrous. Okay. So they got to be able to right. do multiple things. What do you think? Yep. Just curiously, if you were a realtor today and you were going to be ambidextrous, what would be some kind of things that you would do? Just curious. Well, like you, if you don't. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's specifically to the resale real estate business. No, anything. Um, Just like, you know, there's people yeah. out there that are stagnant in their business. They've hit a plateau. Right. They would love to go to right. the next level, but they're not visionaries like you are. They're not listening. And if they were listening, Sid, what would they be listening for? Yeah. Um, I mean, listening for opportunity. I, I, it's hard to say. I would say that, you know, for example, let's take, for example, Airbnb. Okay. Airbnb can either be the greatest thing or it can give people challenges, but they're morphing. And I'd be watching Airbnb right now if I was in the real estate business. I would really be watching that. I also believe that people, um, they get locked into something like, for example, someone may be working with residential primary real estate. And they're missing a whole demographic, like like getting people into homes so they can set up their home. But they're missing me. I'm a real estate investor. Do you know how many realtors bring me real estate investments? Absolutely nobody. Right. It's, so it's if they were model. listening, like honestly, if they were listening, then yeah. uh, you know, I, I think the way the world works too today, Sid, too, is you're not going to go and, and meet realtors and go, I'm an investor, bring me something. I'm an investor, bring me something, right? You're a busy man. You're flying around. Yeah. You have wealth and and you like to and like, so realistically, if anybody that knows you is listening to this, they should just start sending you shit. Like they should be like, hey, check this out. Or they should or, have or, a phone or, call. Or, or say, hey, oh yeah, what do you really want? Well, this is what I'm really after right now. These are my goals this year. These are my five-year goals. This is what I want. Okay, so I'm going to sidetrack now. I'm going to sidetrack now. Yeah. Okay. I'll come back to the the legacy that you're creating here. Okay. Sure, sure. So you've always had a level of confidence. Now, I want to know, did you have that as a child? Have you always been? You said to me in the bar one day after hockey, my first year of real estate, Keith, are you proud to call yourself a realtor? I said, no, I feel like I'm a car salesman. And you said, well, good, because you'll never be successful until you are. And that was it. Yeah. Plain plain. And yeah. I still pass yeah. on that, you know, in my in my role now, I pass that on. Yeah. So my question is, is you're like, you know, you have this level of confidence. And and it could be a facade. And I want you to be vulnerable and honest. You know, I am totally vulnerable. Yeah. 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 So so have you always been a confident man? Absolutely not. Oh like, really? I can't I, I I grew up in Wally. I mean, like literally, you couldn't have more um, how do I say it? I couldn't have been more self-conscious. I looked like I was a young teenager when I got in the real estate business, so much so that I had to stop doing business with people that saw me physically, and I had to do all phone calls with absent owners in my area. It was the only way I could figure out how to succeed. Um, And, you know, confidence has just come in the fullness of time. Most importantly, when I started feeling really good about myself, and once I started mm-hmm. feeling good about myself and I started feeling good about the business that I was in, well, then, you know, you start getting confidence through experience. And actually, one of the greatest confidence boosters is vulnerability. That when yeah. you get to that comfort when you're with yourself, right, then, yeah. you know, who's going to, who, you know, who's going to really, um, how do I say it? Who's going to really hurt you? And I, and I will not hurt you. Yeah, that's the truth, right? If a dog, you walk in a room and a dog's on its back with his belly in the air, nobody stabs it with a knife. And I had this conversation with a client. He goes, some people will. And I'm like, no, no, I haven't experienced that. I have not experienced that. No. So two things, Keith, when I think about it, confidence is one thing. And I've just shared with you how that's evolved. I would say one of the things is that. I don't feel risk the way other people feel risk. Yeah, see, I got that down here with a big star beside it. I want to talk about that. Yeah, so it started, you got to remember, 
when I, when I started in the business. So there was, I was raised by three people, my mother, my grandfather, my grandmother. Okay. They all died in a 12 month period. And the, my mother died as I got in the business in the first three months. And so my grandfather and grandmother died earlier. I'm just going to share with you that when that kind of thing happens to you, who is going to hurt Lee? Like, honestly, yeah, how yeah. Are you what can you do to me? More? It's like, it's like yeah. Eminem and eight mile, right? You know, now yeah. what? Now, what are you going to, what are you going to do? I've lost everything, right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, bring it on. Bring, wow. bring it on. So I, isn't that awesome? I, I, when I, I, is an advantage, a disadvantage and a disadvantage and advantage? That's Malcolm Gladwell's book, David and Goliath. But it's like, yeah. I've lost my family. This is heart wrenching. It's, you know, I'm alone. And, but it creates this ability to say, fuck it. Hey, absolutely. Yeah. Bottomless. It's yeah. like, yeah, if I fall, I can't fall any lower than this. Yeah. Well, wow. now as you now as you get married and you have kids, you realize mm. there's things that can still hurt you. Oh, sure. But but For my sure. my point is in my DNA when I was young, I and now I I have to now set up internal systems to make sure I have risk checks, right? Right. Because I've been, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So but it served you well, but now your wisdom says I'm going to follow my gut and still have a process to check within that as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And when you do little things, like, for example, when you say, hey, I'm going to go sell a a project in Whistler, right. And you're in Vancouver. Well, it's a bit weird. It's a different market, but you go do it and you realize, well, these are just people too. you apply your skills and all of a sudden you get this confidence. You don't feel risk when you say, well, let's go do business in California or Hawaii or Mexico. It's just like, well, it's just so another, here's it's just another so job. Let's go there. I'll pull that. I'll pull that apart from you. And my learning is when you trust in yourself and have the faith to do the work, you will take the action. If you don't trust yourself and you don't have the faith, you won't take the action. So part of your risk, you know, analysis is, you know, you have this level of knowing that you can do it because you've always been a hard worker. Like if you want someone to, to be up at two o'clock in the morning doing a fight, you know, and then waking yeah. up at four to get on a plane and go, you've always been a grinder. Yeah. You're a hard worker, yeah. right? So yeah. you've got this ability that trust in yourself to do the work and the faith to do it. But then also you have this risk thing, which is how bad can it be yet over time? Their wisdom is like, how bad can it be? Well, let's do a little analysis on it, but let's still move and let's still move forward. Right. Because everybody that's listening is either an entrepreneur in sales business or, you know, and what I want them to get from this is I want them to see it's a, it's a formula. And as you've gotten wiser, you've added things into your formula. True. And it's not about how I'm going to do something. It's who I'm doing it with. And I'm sure we're going to talk on teams and so on, but let's be realistic. I feel confidence when I have a great team around me. Well, let's go. Keith, to, let's we go played to hockey together. Yeah, uh, we played hockey together. You know, yeah. I only started skating when I was 21. I mean, I'm dreadful yeah. at times, but you know what? And I'm going to work yeah. hard. I'm going to work as hard as you do, you know, right. but it's the team around you. So let's talk about building a team because, um, you know, there are people out yeah. there that now that's the new wave of real estate, too, is these big, massive teams. Right. They're basically building a brokerage within a brokerage without the responsibility of the brokerage. Some of them are building these boiler rooms where they get these people in that are low confidence, grind them, take 50% of their income until they move on or quit. Some are creating a great environment. Some are really, you know, but when you're building a team of good people, Mm -hmm. what are some Mm -hmm. of the key things that you look for or what are some things that you do to make sure you're building a good team? Well, that's a that, that's that's an amazing question because, you know, we talked about my history when we shut down Millborn, and uh, I looked at that company in ninety six ninety seven and said, I don't like what's been created. Mm. And part of the impetus was the company was like, this is the way you're supposed to do it. Well, there's no way actually, like, or they say you should do it this way, or however. This company I didn't like, and I love the people, but I didn't like the company or the culture mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, what I what I was introduced to at the time for all companies and organizations since is actually a very simple formula, and it works brilliantly, and it's, and it's the best way to lead. And the first thing is really identify who you are as a team. So 
to be able to actually talk about the culture of the team. You will recall when I was going through cancer, I forced a meeting amongst our team at the Greek restaurant to I to re-examine who we were as a group because the culture was broken. So mm-hmm. in a team, it's identi- clear, clearly identify who you are through your cultural components, mission, vision, values, okay, or mission. Well, I'll, I'll, Sorry, okay, so I'll just, I'll, just interject, I'll interject here. So part of being a trendsetter is having the vision and listening and then being the courageous leader to lead the team, right? So this vision part is start with the end first, you know, define what you want to be, then build it. Is that what you're saying? Like the vision part? Oh, no, no. I'm going to give you the three components. The three okay. components as a leader is one, who are you? Mm-hmm. And really get clear on who you are. Therefore, who your value, what are your values and behaviors within the team? Yeah. The second thing is, where are you going? What's your vision? Where are you going? People need that organizing. Uh, they need that um, place in the future to organize around. Whether that's so let's an talk, internal Let's team. talk about sharing that vision and transparency. You're transparent, but right. you're not fully transparent, right? Or are you fully transparent? No, 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 no. Radical transparency, because here's the thing. The only thing I need to be transparent about is the initial DNA of the vision. It's super important that the team then becomes authoring the vision with me because people follow, people engage in things they author, even sometimes if it's just editing through a review, right? I love that. I love that. Creating the story together, being part of it, being part of the recipe. Instead of being the follower of the chef, you're now... uh, uh, a creator you're with him. You're yeah. a creator. You're a sous chef. You're sous. Now, the third thing, which a lot of people miss, is um, a cause greater than the objective. I have found this to be one of the secret sauces that, for example, and I'm using, you know, these examples probably are a little older. I'll, I'll, I'll use a new example. Okay. Let's just say I was launching a project right now, put a team together. We would identify our core values and principles as the team. We would talk about our vision and where we want to be. Then I would start a conversation on a cause greater than simply selling this project out. And maybe the cause would be engagement with AI and how we evolve our sales process. Mm -hmm. So, Keith, it's not that we're going to sell 200 units in two months. It's we're going to sell these 200 units and we're going to become the best sales team in engaging artificial intelligence. You see yeah. where that cause is greater. Yeah. The cause also could well, be they, for- they now, they now, they now, yeah. Okay. So, you know, I have what's called the purpose-driven masterclass, the purpose-driven realtor. And if you don't have something bigger than the action, you're not going to do the action. So you got it. We we're right. on the same page here. In extreme ownership, they talk about sharing, you know, when they're at war, why they're at war instead of just fighting the war and everyone buys, you get buy-in when they do that. But what I'm interested in, 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 you know, it's like, so who are we, core values, where are we going, vision with full transparency, then authoring that vision together for a greater cause. Great. Right. And it, it can also be philanthropic. Right. So it doesn't, you know, it can be all well, talk about, just, talk about, uh, um, every, World talk Health. about the, sorry, I'm, I'm loss of words. Canada house. No. What did you do where every unit you built here, you, the people could have a unit. You tell the story, the philanthropic story okay. about. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So for example, uh, uh, created an organization called world housing, which continues to operate today. I'm no longer Congratulations. involved. Congratulations. That, that was massive. I know, yeah. but you, yeah, you know, all you got to do yes. is throw the rock in the pond sometimes, you know? Exactly. And and Vancouver House, which is a project in downtown Vancouver, West Bank, Ian Gillespie as the principal stepped up. And the, the concept for world housing was for every home sold, a house was given away in a developing world to a deserving family. Um, we sold 350 homes of Vancouver House. 350 homes were given away. Um, That's amazing. What happened was, we, you know, we worked at the very top of the housing pyramid and we had to find what the very bottom of the housing period was for the purposes of giving away homes. Who were the most needy people in the world? And we discovered the most needy people were those living in uh, slums around landfills in developing countries. That's the poorest of the poor. And um, 
our our home the the reason for giving away the homes was to create social change and i witnessed it with my own eyes when i went back to Phnom Penh, you know two years after the first set of homes and i saw this social change where kids are no longer in the sex trade kids are no longer scavenging in and they're in school they're healthy the families are thriving they're in these homes they're taking care of them as if you know as if they had hand built them uh and so you know, uh, it, it's it's creating this social change. This has now gone on. It, it works in but five that's different like when you When you were building that company, that vision, you had the people, your team author that vision with you of the bigger purpose of creating this. And that's, you know, and then you brought in, and it's funny, right? Because that attracts certain people, doesn't it, Sid? When you when you share the vision and you like, some people will stay with you, some will go, but it it does attract the right people. Uh, when you're building that team, doesn't it? In every circumstance, in every person in my world, in the business, okay, their number one of their number one attractions was world housing. I don't yeah. care if you were a potential teammate. I don't care if you were a client, mm -hmm. an investor. Well, uh, I'd want to be part of it. You know, I'd want to be a part yeah, of it. Yeah, like and everyone wanted to be part of it. And and I think there's a, just a universal truth around helping our follow, fellow man. Well, when that you're of service, you always make everybody. When you're in service, you always make money. When you are about yeah. making money, you don't make enough. So it's no. about both. It's an and philosophy. I set financial goals and I want to be in service. I want to have a bigger vision. Yeah. That's where true higher levels of success come in for companies is when it's not just about the dollar, it's the dollar and the, and whatever the bigger purpose yeah. is. Yeah, let, let, let me give you an ex a real life example in my new world, which we'll touch on in a minute. So I'm developing a high rise in uh, downtown Kelowna, right across from the new downtown UBC campus. The greater cause, yeah, yes, it's going to be 300 condominiums. It's going to have a grocery store on the bottom. It's going to be unbelievable. But the greater cause that I've brought to the property development is how to combat loneliness in a high rise. You see, wow, I love that. 300, 300 homes in a horizontal neighborhood. Yeah, you're seeing your neighbors, you're meeting, you know, block parties, all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The loneliest place on earth is a 300 unit high rise. Well, so, and yeah, so you create a Wordle group. No, you don't do that, Keith. No, no. Yeah, yeah. But so through planning, through the actual design of the product and the plan, I've created a vertical community. It's not been done before. So, and, and I have very clear principles that I develop over the decades, because here's the difference. I'm now the client. I'm now the developer. When I was a broker, I could talk about these things all I wanted, but people didn't always get it. Well, mm -hmm. I get it. And I will tell well, again, you that. Sid, again, again, here you are yeah. seeing a trend, creating the vision, moving forward, Right now you're taking that risk that we talked about, yet it's a calculated risk. You're building a team on who, where, and now the bigger cause. And now you're bigger a visionary cause. of creating, you know, unlonely high rises. I mean, the world is lonely today anyways. If you want to get a little deep, we could go down that fucking wormhole, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, the world is lonely because in their head, they're lonely. It's just a thought and it's just a feeling and you can shift that. And that's what your kind of development is doing is shifting the thinking around housing and shifting that, hey, there is thoughts and feelings in this development, which creates a different story. And that story becomes your reality. But here's here. Thank you. And you're 100 percent right. Let me let me let let me. Let's have the rubber hit the road here. So I have to speak to a group of realtors up in Kelowna. How do you bring value to the real estate community under a concept that battles loneliness? Think about that. They're all I mean, lonely. They're all entrepreneurs. No, but, no, but Keith, no, but Keith you, no, but you've got to remember is that how do you translate that to value in the eyes oh, of the realtor yeah, 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 and the yeah, customer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. So for five, for five hours, I drove up with my daughter, Samantha, brainstormed and worked it. I'm going up on stage the next day. Mm -hmm. And... And here's where I landed. The communities that have combated loneliness will be the most desirable when they're finished. 
And the most desirable communities have two attributes. One, there's a lineup of tenants for them. Demand. And secondly, most of the properties don't hit MLS. They get traded amongst families and people. And, and if they do, they get snapped up right away. So what I was able to do, and it took well, because me five people, hours. Yeah, okay. So yeah, go ahead. Continue. Took you five hours. Go ahead. No, I just said, how, how do you take this concept of loneliness? Well, you did it. You did it. Make you it a create... value proposition. Well, make it a value proposition. Okay. So here's the one thing about value. Value is in a hierarchy. Value is a perception. When you have a hierarchy of value, do you want the smartest doctor doing your cancer surgery or the guy that failed and basically mm -hmm. got in? No, you want the hierarchy of intelligence. Do you want the one with 25 years experience or one year's experience? It's like a hierarchy of experience. And so it's the story that creates the value because really value is in perception. If I have uh, mud, you would be, Keith, I don't want it. But if you're building a mud hut and you need the mud, then it's valuable because the story that's created behind it. So, you know, story branding, you know, in my work, everyone creates stories that stop them from being Sid Landolt. They, they, they get to a point yeah. they're like, I can't do this, you know? So the story is like you created, you created a vision of a story that's not out there that hits a pain point of loneliness, which is in society because of COVID and because of yeah. everything that's going on. And you're saying yeah. this building is unlonely because of this. Yes. This is people like, I want it. And it's amazing. Like you've always been a genius when it comes to marketing and you've always had the, 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 the confidence. In, and listen, guys, when I, when I talk to you, if you're my client or, and I'm like, you know, you have to believe a hundred percent in your value. You have to be like, I have this value. And Sid, I'll never forget every time you had a building. This is <laughs> the best building in the world. And, and so that conviction of, of truth and belief and purpose. And, you know, if you don't believe that you can make a difference and make a building on lonely, you can't do yeah. it. Yeah. No. Well, so, so let me, let me simplify my approach when it comes to relationships and when it, and, and when it comes to putting offerings out there they always must have two things to be lasting value and meaning meaning mm -hmm. and value so when you take a look at the high rise the meaning is we're going to go after loneliness okay mm -hmm. and we're going to make this an incredibly great community because prior to covid Vancouver Sun run a whole series on loneliness and then COVID exasperated that. Okay. So mm -hmm. the meaning is, is loneliness. The value is what happens when this neighborhood becomes the most desirable building in downtown. Well, you're what I'm saying is really, I'm always yeah. hitting meaning and value in everything. If I have a relationship with a teammate, I know that I need a company that's, 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 that's value driven with a vision. That's the meaning. And I know I have to pay them really well. That's the value. Those relationships last forever when you have meaning and value. If you're a company that's yeah, just yeah, out yeah. there with meaning and doesn't pay well, not going to work. If you're a company that is awful, but you pay well, it's not lasting. So if you want long-lasting right. relationships, you need meaning well, and value. And that can translate to anybody out there that's building a team. You want to you want to operate a boiler room and have them make phone calls and sell the dream and pump up their tires and take 50% of their income yeah. only for them to fail. It's not going to last, right? So the other thing, you know, Sid, is with the world, the way it's going in, in, in ideologies, ideologies, identity politics, tribalism, you're actually saying everyone's lonely come here you won't be lonely you're creating you're fitting into the vibe of the world today too which is come to us be part of this tribe that takes you from un, you know the opposite of loneliness and the brilliance of that too is 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 you're not going to be lonely to you is one thing and to me is another thing so if i lost my grandparents and my mom and loneliness is that then that fills that but for me if loneliness is I have no one to play golf with that fills that for me like my perspective on loneliness is going to be my story but it fits with you because you're saying I'm taking care of that pain for you and I'm assuming that I'm going to have a golf partner or I'm going to have a family or you know yeah how I translate that to real estate development is 
you know, you know, allowing the opportunity for social connectiveness at the option of the people in the building. So what I mean by that is some people, some people want to be more private. I get all that, but they're the optionality of social connectiveness. That's the start. That's all I'm starting because people will take care of it after that. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I sold some, you know, people always say, oh, you know, really wealthy people want privacy, blah, blah, blah. You know what? I, I, I've sold more ultra high net worth people that love the idea of being with their cohorts and making sure in the resort and second home settings that's set up. I mean, it's just a load of crap that, you know, as you get more money, you want more privacy, whatever. Yes, there's some of those issues. No, no, no. But human, humans, human humans people, are humans. Humans are humans, period. Next topic. Period. You know, like, hey, how about this? So how about this? So, you know, another thing that you're doing that everyone should think about there when they're building their brand, their business, mm -hmm. right? You're telling them mm -hmm. everything they need to do to build a strong brand right now. Don't target the whole world targeting everyone. Build your brand for who you want your brand to go to. Right. Because, you know, yeah. it gets watered down. Like if you're going to try to sell your building on loneliness to the world, right, instead of to Kelowna or to people in B.C. or wherever your yeah. market is, you're an expert at specifying markets. So let's talk about when someone is an entrepreneur building their brand, specifying that brand. Talk about that. However, yeah. your genius wants to go on that. What do you think? Yeah, sure. Sure. So in everything I do. I try to create a one-of-a-kind distinct offer or service that can be heard by the audiences in one story. Okay. So the most important thing is that you, you continue to work your offering to be one-of-a-kind, whatever that may be. Okay. Mm -hmm. So in real estate, I work on creating one-of-a-kind distinct offerings. and then. What I do is I don't take that and bring it to the market and say, come look at me. Aren't I great? Come buy it. I don't mm -hmm. do that. Mm -hmm. What I do is say, okay, I've created this category. So I go into the market first and I inform the market about a new category of real estate. I may mm -hmm. agitate the market about a new category of real estate uh, or a new product or there's something missing in the world. However, it may mm -hmm. be, and I've done this dozens of times. Then, when I think the market's ready, I bring the product in. That's the anecdote that 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 that, that uh, you know that satisfies that category I just identified. Mm -hmm. So now, when you talk about people branding their companies, I think what's really, really, really important is that you get some very, um, you know, very clear direction on what makes you distinct. I'm launching my well, new I'll company. You, I'm right in the middle I'll of it. I'll tell you what it is, right? When you talk about building the individual brand, what's what's distinct is you. You are one of a kind. There's 7 billion people in the world and nobody thinks the same way. Nobody looks the same way. So when you do the Correct. deep dive in your core values, your value proposition, your purpose, what I call the North Star, which I got from Dan Loney's, uh, Bob Beal's yeah. leadership training, yeah. but I've always been purpose-driven and then, you know, and this is another thing. When I went to Bob Beal and I learned that, I transitioned my business because it was better than what I was doing, but it was doing the same thing I was doing and it was better. So I was willing to step into that and not have my ego say, no, I'm going to stay on my point. Right, right. right? Yeah, you know what right. I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I let's talk. simplicity. Yeah, his message. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But, but if I could, come, I, I could come back to one thing. So once you get that, one of the key things is that you make sure your message can be heard by all the stakeholders when you're branding. So, for example, I'm a resale realtor. What is my message that both buyers and sellers can hear? Because if my message is, I'm going to get the maximum dollars for your home, mm -hmm. what does that mean to the buyer you're representing? Yeah, yeah. Right? I'm, going to protect, I'm going to protect you in every transaction. Is a, is a, it's an ethereal, overarching and again, that's the value the individual brings. Because somebody like you, Sid, and me, 
we're different and we'd both be great realtors for that person. And when they're finished with us, they're not going to say Sid was a bang on negotiator. They're just going to say he was fucking awesome. He cared. He really protected us. He knew his shit. He was intelligent. He was smart. He was knowledgeable. He was a visionary, whatever they're going to say, it's not going to be, he really knew how to write a good contract unless but I w- that's your value. Yeah. Well, but I would say, okay, my point is this. If you're going to be, you know, you need to figure out what you can say to all your audiences. Because you, if you're branding something, you don't want two stories. You want one story. And I'll exactly. just give you one example. I'll give you one example because there's, you want purity of purpose. You want purity of story. And I will tell you one of the purest stories that a resale realtor can use is this. I'm the best negotiator in the marketplace. Clean and clear. So bear with me. Done. Like no one is as good a negotiator as I am. Really? Well, this yeah. is the best property that you can ever buy. <laughs> right? It's yeah. like well, I am the best negotiator. You. And here's the thing, Sid. I want yeah. you to understand that's an easy concept to speak about that you have done and you do successfully. And for everyone else, that's the regular dudes and dudettes in the world. It's hard yeah. to say I'm the best negotiator, period. Yet you're saying, give me a clean, clear one story that I can attach to. Right. But nobody's doing it because first of all, they don't want to say that because they might, get ridiculed or canceled or offended or, you know, and I'm like, yeah, but you see, you throw your, like, guys, this is also on YouTube. So go to my YouTube, uh, <laughs> click become, you know, follow me on YouTube, but go to YouTube. All my podcasts are done in video. So you can watch the actual human being and not just hear the voice. And you really want to see Sid because he's pretty animated. I'm very well, but, still. But, yeah, but, yeah, I, I know you're going to move me now, but I'm just going to say this point. You don't have to say you're the best negotiator. You can say this. I'm an expert negotiator. And and don't just say it, do it. Go on the courses, read the books, practice the techniques. You will Great be the best transition. Negotiator. Great transition. What does it take to be a good leader? <laughs> well, you I'm just going to repeat what I said, which is identify who you are, where you guys are going and create a greater cause. That's great leadership. Now, as far as, you know, how do you govern, you know, no, uh, govern? No, your... no, no, not, not what is great leadership, how to become a good leader. It's a personal, it's a, it, it's, it's a, it's introspective. Leadership is a verb. Being yeah, okay. a leader is a yeah. noun. So as a noun leader, cause you had 60 yeah. staff and I know 60 of them and they all loved you, even though yeah. you had to let 60 of them go when you, you you know that that downsizing <laughs> yeah. was horrific for yeah. you you know yes i mean yes, that yes, was a, yes, that wasn't yes. a fun day as a good no. leader right as a person who's a good leader give me some of the characteristics you believe that you have or that you've learned to do that has made you a good leader well So I think there's I think there's a lot of obvious ones. Um, Not so obvious. Just state what you're going to state. Give us your genius and shut the fuck up. Okay. You know what? I I I I am very committed to setting my own personal goals. Okay, and always have a um, I always have goals, and I share them, and I'm very transparent, and. I'm just going to, I'm going to give you something that maybe is not typical for a second. And there was some real key lessons that I learned going through cancer and they have had such a dramatic impact on me over time. I'm going to share those with you so that you get how I approach leadership. Number one, it's not about time. It's about energy that I would take. A level 100 energy for five minutes than a level 10 energy for five hours. Okay. Mm. So when I show up, Keith, I am 100% full energy. And when I'm not, I'm not. So when I walk into the office, I know that my, I need to be there. 
And that infects the entire organization through all geographies. Okay. Mm -hmm. So number one thing I learned in being a great leader as a result of my challenges was it's not about energy. It's it's not about time. It's about because I'll never uh, guys when, when Sid was uh, battling cancer and I said, I'd love to help you out. You said, well, if you could, you know, pick me up, uh, come to me, pick me up and take me home after chemo one day. And I walk in there and there's Sid in the bed on his phone, texting, talking to me, energies at a 10. And half an hour later, I was helping him into a wheelchair, lifting him into my car, taking him to get his drugs, dropping him off at home. And that was the day, that was the day that you found out you beat cancer. I was very fortunate. I was very fortunate to be there on that day because they told you that the results were, were clean. And then I yeah. dropped you off at home and you laid in bed and slept for probably eight hours. So when he's talking about the most important thing he learned about as he was going through cancer to be a great leader was give 100% of your energy for as long as you can and lead yeah. with that energy, right? That's kind yeah. of the the the, the so, so, Yes. So three things. It's all about energy, not time. The second thing, it's all about relationships. That the time and energy you invest in relationship, bringing value and meaning to your relationships, absolutely. I mean, Keith, the relationships that I have over the number of companies and decades are so deep and so long. And, and you know, uh, so I learned it's all about relationships. And the last thing that I learned was love is the strongest power and force. And that in the most difficult circumstances as a leader, if you are able to think from a loving heart and have empathy, you're at another level. And if you want to really get a superpower, then you start practicing unconditional love. And that's another level. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. And and we'll talk about that. I mean, unconditional love is a goal that can never be met, but it can be something you strive for. Correct. It's like a vision. It's like a vision. If you're going to love me, Sid, if you're going to, if you're going to love me, I'm going to put conditions on it. You know, don't hug me or kiss me like you kiss my wife when you meet her because it's it's offside. (laughs) (laughs) So let me just do a couple of things here, Sid, to, to, to just kind of follow up on my leadership things. I know they're a little, I love it. I'm going to repeat them. I'm going to repeat them. Right. It's energy, it's relationship and putting time and energy into that relationship. And of course, it's love is the power and force because the opposite of love is fear and you don't want that the power and force. And then there's no empathy. There's just ego and and you're done. And then, you know, with relationships, the one thing I coach is the number one asset that we have is our time and attention. Your dog wants Mm -hmm. it. Your wife wants it. The business people want it. The person across from you wants it. So whoever you're with, be there giving them your time and attention. And if your energy is a 10 out of 10 for 10 minutes, give your time and attention for 10 minutes. Give it a 10. Yep. Right, right. Exactly right. So yep. there's the time and attention. The other thing is, is I believe uh, leaders need to be courageous and kind. They need to be courageous to take the risk and make the decisions and then kind to the team that's got to go out and do it. And that's part of your philosophy of the team 100%. building that we stopped. We talked 100%. about as well. 100%. And what I love, Sid, is is I love when I can bring somebody like you on who is so articulate and defined because of your age and your wisdom, because everything that you tried that failed has now created more wisdom, and you're not afraid of failure. You do have, he had, like you said, guys, he had to work on his confidence. Just keep that in mind. This, This person that we're talking to had to work on his confidence, and it was the key thing that, you know, has built him to where he is. I mean, and then, you know, he had nothing to fucking risk because he was all alone in the world, which is, you know, a sad but powerful statement. And then, you know, hopefully makes you bond with your family even deeper now. And and then, you know, understanding that because, you know, of course, the day that I was with you at the hospital, we chatted about family pretty deeply as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. so I, I've got a couple other topics here, Sid. Sure. We're, we're covering a lot of ground. So. 2012 uh, was the destination, and and then the 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 then almost the yeah. the 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 almost the big almost the big win in New York. Uh, sorry yeah. that that didn't work out, but I'm sure that you realize now right. that it, it, it's all exactly the way it's supposed to be. So up till today, here you are as a developer in marketing and sales and doing your development. Um, yeah. Let's talk about you. You went through a stage uh, where you were 
really strongly investing in real estate, commercial, and uh, you know, you you took some. Yeah. What are what are for people out there that are thinking of investing in maybe their first condo or an Airbnb or you know something? Uh, just some you know, just some wisdom that you'd like to drop a little pearl of wisdom here. Sure. There. Absolutely. I'll just throw a couple of things out at you that, you know, my family has to listen to. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Okay. <laughs> Good. Um, first of all, uh, given the geopolitical condition that we're in, uh, I think everyone should be focused on how to invest in hard assets. Okay. Uh, you know, I am, I am not investing in any public vehicles like you know, like any government, anything, I'm doing none of that. Everything right. is private. You know, my preference is real estate because I've been born and raised in it. Uh, of course, people can invest in other hard assets, whether it's uh, artwork or whatever it may be. But I am a mm -hmm. really big, I mean, precious metals. I don't find that as great as an, an investment, but that's just me. Uh, a lot of people are committed to it. I love real estate and it's a hard asset that I can really relate to. Um, I just want to start most importantly with people's time as it relates to, I'm going to talk about time for a little bit in two components. One is you have two types of work. You have one work that I call beer smokes and shelter, and you've got another type of work that I call building wealth. And what happens is a lot of people spend a lot of their time on beer smokes and shelter work. That pays mm -hmm. the bills, okay? Mm -hmm. And they consume themselves with that. What I've always done is I've dedicated time to building wealth. And it's mm -hmm. hard. Like mm -hmm. when the kids were young, I was up at 6.30 in the morning on a Saturday before they got up for an hour and a half, two hours, doing my wealth building work, whether it's looking for real estate, whatever it may be. Sometimes later at night, the thing is, is that I always separated those two activities. I knew when I was getting a commission check for whatever part of the real estate business I was in at the time, that was beer, smokes, and shelter. Okay. Mm. And, but when I was investing or buying something and taking all that time and energy to go through that, to buy it and hold it, I knew that was building well, which mm. leads, which leads to time in a different dimension in these two areas. One is a good a good mutual friend of ours when I was 20 years old, Frank Wright gave me a book, The Richest mm -hmm. Man in Babylon. And that book, I knew nothing about investing. I knew nothing about building wealth. But there was some key concepts in there. And one of them was save 10% of everything you make. Um, uh, put it away for investment. And from when I was 20... Living below the poverty line, I mm -hmm. save 10% of everything. I I don't have to work again. And I still save, Keith, 10% of everything I make goes to this account. So that over time builds. And it's not a savings account because you will not build wealth saving. You will build wealth investing. And I take it to a point and then I invest it. And I've been doing that since I was 20. And which leads to the second point of time. Financial success is all about time. Mm -hmm. Time so is your when I look at, Well, time is the greatest investment strategy. Mm -hmm. So if I had X wealth at 30 and then 40, if I bought a, a piece of property when I was 30, it's paid off when I'm 20, 55. Mm -hmm. I'm now 60. So if you could mm -hmm. imagine... Over time, I bought and sold, but I tried to keep as much as I can. Mm -hmm. Over mm -hmm. time, your financial success gets exponential because time is the best strategy. Mm -hmm. I remember, I remember, I'll use a very specific example. When I sold my company in 2000, I always wanted to have a million dollars invested that I never touched, right? Mm -hmm. Well, mm -hmm. I put a million dollars in the bank, in an investment account in 2000, mm -hmm. and I looked at it at 2022. Mm -hmm. And I still had a million dollars, but I had taken 1.6 out over time and invested. Mm -hmm. But what had happened was it just over time, now it would be worth a lot more if I just left it there. Mm 
Mm-hmm. But my point is, is I took it and invested into other things. Some of it lifestyle for the family, some of hey, it, your life, you know, your life, your rules, your way. And, you know, and what I want people yeah. to hear out of what Sid's just talked about in his investment is uh, Jocko Wilnick says discipline is the key to freedom. And discipline in 10% was your key to freedom. And that freedom shows up different ways for everybody. And that yes. freedom is the ability to, you know, everyone says when I'm coaching them, that part of their big dream is the freedom to make a financial choice with no real encumbrance. Like I can buy a car and it doesn't impact me. I can fly my family here. So they have this kind of dream of the financial freedom from the from the uh, weight from the weight of not having enough, you know, scarcity. So it's this place of right. being in abundance. And the thing is, is, you know, that commitment and that discipline to that 10% and then sticking with it when you're in poverty, not dipping into it for beer and smokes, because we know that maybe, you know, maybe there would have been a lot of beer in your 20s. I don't know. Just guessing. Uh, You know, just saying. (laughs) Just saying. So, yeah. So, you know, and then, and I love the fact that you had a mentor, because Frank Wright was my mentor, too, and he's given me many great lessons. Right. It's not yes. what you make. It's not what you make. It's yeah. what you keep. Um, yes. You know, I, I still pass that one on. Frank was an it is Frank is an amazing, amazing man. And, and he's impacted my life in many yes. ways and still is a great yes. mentor because he's honest. He's uh, funny as hell, but he doesn't he, uh, he doesn't he doesn't mince words. Um, no. So, guys, what we've covered today is risk, risk management, building teams, leadership, running a business. We've talked about the we have covered so much. Like, listen to this again, you guys, like listen back and listen to it every month and get something and put it into action. Let the rubber hit the road. Um, We talked about brand building. We talked about creating stories. We talked about your strategies. And I mean, we've shared so much wealth here, Sid, like. I I I I love everything I've done. I really feel for me this is a a full circle moment because I never knew this about you. You and I always yeah. connected in short conversations. I was telling you what I was doing about the neuroscience and my yes. purpose driven business and you were interested and we never really connected on any of that. We we tried to but life was just too hectic and busy. I, you know, my philosophies and your philosophies are different and similar. You have a lot of insight. I learned a ton here today. Um, And uh, I will listen to this again. It's going to be on YouTube. It's going to be on Apple podcast. It's on all the podcast channels. I don't, you know, uh, recently I've decided that, you know, I've a lot of people that I could bring on the podcast and I just wanted something like this, something really rich. Um, I just want to, I want to end on one topic, the geopolitical landscape we're in right now. And, you know, this investment into the hard assets that gives you, that gives you the control or the autonomy without worrying about somebody being canceled, right? Cause the cancel culture yeah. and all of a sudden you're in Twitter, Twitter gets canceled, your investment shot because of the geopolitical and the culture of the world, or what did you mean by geo that we're going to close on this, then we're going to end it out. So what did you mean about geopolitical? Well, first of all, I'd like to close it out on one last gift to everybody. Good. Let's do that. Let's, let's do that. When I, when I, when I talked about earning the right, right, this 10% you talked about, I I Mm want to, I, I just thought of something that I want to share with you that I think your listeners will really appreciate. Right. Um, but to the geopolitical, because I think I've got a couple of minutes here. To the geopolitical, I am very, very, very concerned at the quality of the leadership in the Western world right now. I think we are going in such a wrong direction. Um, and for that reason, I'm very focused on privately held hard assets, hard assets. right Good. now. I, got it. I just, I, I, I just don't want to get involved with what these people are doing. Yeah. It's no, so irresponsible I, I at every I level. I, I, I am fanatically uh, committed to equality for everybody, fanatically. And I run my organizations that way, mm-hmm. okay? I, I'm not into cancel culture. I'm very clear on that. And, and on, I believe that, hey, our history has been difficult and we should learn from it. We should not erase mm-hmm. it, 
I'm mm-hmm. very familiar, and I do not support things that people have done wrong to other people. Quite the contrary, I'm very involved with from First Nations to whatever. So, yeah. you know, I I live making things better for people. But let me Perfect. share with you one thing. Yeah, with your, your your with your group, and I think this is incredibly valuable. I run across so many people, and I've been in this circumstance. When you say yes to things that mm. are not advancing your new initiative, okay? Mm-hmm. And I've learned three things that you absolutely quit saying yes to things that don't fit your vision. Mm-hmm. Here's the challenge, though. So many people come to me and say, I have to. I have to take this job for the fees. I have to do this. I have to do that. Stop. What you have to do is, one, start earning the right to say no. And the way you do that is you save 10 or 15% of every dollar you earn and put it into your say no fund. That's not your investment fund. Mm-hmm. Okay. Your say no fund. I, yeah. So you may spend a year saving money, 10 cents at a time, mm-hmm. on your say no fund. Second thing is get super clear on what you want to say yes to. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because once you're clear on what you say yes to, the quantum field starts working and it comes your way magically every single time. It's not something I believe in. It's something I rely on daily in my business. Well, when you say yes and you're 100% in and you're committed, there's only one direction. There's only one result. So it's going to come to you. So you just got to clear. And then the last most important step is clear things off your plate. Once you've get the earn the right, because you got the money, once you're very clear on what you say yes to, the third thing is start clearing off those things that don't fit into what your future vision is. Keith, you did it. Keith, you did it. You transitioned your career, okay? That's an extremely difficult thing to do. And whether you knew what steps you were taking or not, the three that I've learned, earn the right by putting a no fund together. Get very clear on what you want, because that will come your way. And mm-hmm. lastly, move, remove stuff from your plate to allow that stuff to come because nature abhors a vacuum. Yeah. The minute you create a vacuum in your world, it gets filled with what you want. Right. So I know I wanted to leave. And your when you let something go, it makes room for something else to move in. So you that's know, if you vacuum. dig a hole, that's the, that's vacuum. the vacuum, right? And the other that's thing that I'll vacuum. just and what I'll do for the people out there is give them a tool that allows them to say no. Most people don't want to say no because they're people pleasers and they feel like they're going to impact the person negatively. So you say yes and. So when someone says, hey, do you want to do this? You say yes. And unfortunately, that's not going to work for me. But thank you for the offer. Then you don't yeah. say no. And then you're not compounding on the no. So that goes with your philosophy. And you want to say yes and to you. Yes, and to your vision. And the key part there, Sid, was have a vision. Have a purpose. Yes. And if you don't have that, then you're going to say yes to the wrong things and no to the right things. You won't see that opportunity that we talked about 20 minutes ago in this conversation. And you say no to the opportunity and yes to the thing that fulfills your ego in the moment but doesn't serve your purpose. Yeah. That's hard. A lot of people... Uh, but a lot of people don't have the financial resources to say no. no. You're right. Yes. Hey, so you got to earn that. the right to say no. You got to earn the right. You, there's ah, a step first. I love there's it. There's a step I love first. That. Yeah. Save 10% yeah. today so you can say no tomorrow. Just and when you have, say yeah. no tomorrow. You take away the, the right. desk. You take away the desperation. Yeah. You take away, you go from yeah. needing to wanting. You change your language because you put yourself in a Correct. power position. You've empowered yourself to go and get what you want. Instead of feeling like I can't do it, the victim, you've now turned into the creator of your life by making a disciplined, controlled, uh, committed action of saving 10% into your, I'm going to say no to what I want to say no to fund. I think that's really powerful. Wow. So that's it. That's how I'm leaving it, Keith. We're going to, we're going to do this. We're going to do this again, Sid. We're going to, we're going to do volume two. I'm just going to, I'm going to, you know, absorb this. And, and first of all, thank you for making time. My pleasure. And, yeah, uh, I've enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah. This, hey, uh, hey, Keith, Keith, this is my, this is my first, my first podcast. So I'm quite excited. Oh, to do wow. This. So thank so you for, for if, thank if, you for if, being the first on your show. Well, <laughs> if, if, if we're lucky and I really hope that the people will share this, that listen to it, because I think this, you know, 
in a world where only negative shit goes viral, this should go viral for the value that you brought here today. And I just want, you know, I, I wasn't expecting this. I, I love the, I love, I love the structure that you have in each thing that you do. And you can, you know, I always say that my core values are commitment, discipline, protection, kindness, and loyalty. And I can say that really quick because I remembered it. I work it. I study it. So when people, you know, I know that I make decisions through that lens, but some people don't even know their core values. So, you know, your value, you know, your processes. I'm really excited uh, for the Kelowna project. I want to follow that up. That's amazing. Uh, But thank you so much. It's been awesome. Right on. Uh, Yeah, I've enjoyed it. Yeah. So have an awesome rest of your day. That's yeah. that's that's Sid Landolt, and uh, we didn't even get to the name of the company that you're operating now with your development. What's that company called? Uh, or uh, new new generation properties. Oh, I love it! Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also, yeah. you know, Sid, you're creating a legacy for your family. Uh, you're creating your own legacy, which I think is really important as well. So, thank you. Awesome. My pleasure. I've enjoyed it immensely. We'll see you around. You bet. Thank you for watching this episode of Master Your Genius. If you haven't already, please hit the subscribe button. See you next time.